Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Everybody all right? I'm, I'm Still good. all right. Still doing well. Still doing good. We're, I'm we're, good. I'm good. Yes. All right. So um, today, um, we're going to do something a little bit special. We're going to get to it quick because it's a little bit longer than normal. Um, we have a special guest that we're going to hear from mm. in just a moment. It's uh, me. No. <laughs> you're not special. Well, it is partially you. Sort of. But yeah. you're not the special part. I'm not part. the special part. You're not the special part. Um, not in that way. Yes. Before we set up uh, who we're going to hear from today, um, I want to talk about something that uh, I'm, I'm confident that a lot of people from Community Christian, our church, uh, don't know, is that we are a church planting church. Correct. And that is very true. What that means is, practically, is uh, from the very beginning of our, the history of our church, which is on 30 years now, yep. uh, we have been about planting other churches in our area and, well, around the country, even around the world. So, uh, Ed, you were around from day one. Uh, that's been baked into the DNA of our church the whole time because we were one of those churches. Yeah, we were a church plant uh, started by a group of other churches in our state. And uh, early on, in, I mean, they gave money. They, they, they're the ones that hired me to come to Coweta County. And, uh, well, with the agreement of the, the little core group that was here from a church that we closed and mm -hmm. restarted this. Um, and early on in that process, there were some things that one particular of our elders, who's no longer around, uh, decided he died. Uh, I didn't want to act like he went somewhere. <laughs> when you say around, I mean, he's, he's really dead. not around. Uh, he saw some failings in that. And he'd been a very successful business guy, and he was very disappointed with some things and how we were supported. And he said to me, I want us to be the kind of place where nobody starting a church doesn't have the, that everybody that wants to start a church has the support they need. Mm. And he then began to talk to the, some other people on our board to give me as a part of my job responsibilities to make sure that I was supportive of every church planner and that our church would be supportive of every church plant that we could find in our little world, uh, which was Georgia, to do what we can. So over 30 years, uh, and I know the organization we work with now, Stadia, a few years ago asked me to go back and figure out how many churches we had sorted, and I'd never done it, and now I know we're right at 31 churches. Well, I shouldn't say you're either right at it or not. We are at 31 we're churches. At 31. We're at 31 churches in 30 years. That's that interesting because we've been 30 years, so that's yeah. about a church every year. Yeah, that's what it averaged out to. Some years we were involved in more than that. Some of the most recent ones is the one you're all going to hear about today, which is a Crossover Church in Atlanta. Uh, before that, it was City Church in Griffin and... Um, What's the one in here in Noonan? Foundation. Uh, foundation in Noonan. Foundation in Noonan. Momentum's in Henry Momentum's County. Momentum's in Henry County. And the great thing, particularly about those three churches, Momentum uh, is a church in uh, McDonough that we helped start 13 years ago, I think now, mm -hmm. about wow. that time. Yeah, it has been one. Uh, and they then helped us start those churches along yeah. with another church, which is in Atlanta, Tri-Cities Church mm -hmm. uh, in Atlanta is some of our more recent ones. Uh, there's now Cumberland Church out in Douglasville that we were a part in planning. Did you mention the church in Griffin? Yep, City Church City in Griffin. Church. okay. Um, so we've been doing this our whole, uh, our whole time. We have a couple of others that we're working with these other churches to get started again as we continue to expand this. And our our Desire is that there'll always be relevant new churches because what a lot of people don't realize is 
Churches all have a life cycle. We yeah. act like they don't, but mm-hmm. churches like people and all organizations, uh, they have a growth cycle and they lose their effectiveness. It tends to be over time unless there's a catalytic kind of, kind of thing to jump them back where they start. Most churches that are around 50, 60 years aren't exceptionally effective. Hmm. Uh, and you just don't find many churches that are super effective that are 100 years old. There mm-hmm. are some, but they generally have undergone rebirth. So we've always been involved in starting new churches, and a part of every dollar that a person gives to Community Christian Church goes to support uh, a, a new church. And we make a plant part of everybody we support overseas is also a church planting organization because mm-hmm. the best way to reach the most new people is through new churches. Mm-hmm. Okay. So having said all of that, uh, we thought, because um, again, I, we weren't sure that a lot of people around here are fully aware of that part of our DNA. Um, we're going to let you hear from somebody that we're working with right now. Ed's already mentioned uh, this person, but Nathan, you had a chance to sit down and do an interview with them. Yeah. Tell us about who we're going to hear from today. Uh, so uh, we're going to be uh, hearing from Scott Free, who is uh, kind of the founding. Uh, he, I, we had a conversation before we started recording that he doesn't really like any titles. Uh, and <laughs> so uh, he, he's a pastor, though, and uh, he's the founding uh, kind of, I don't know what you'd call, organizer behind City Takers, which is an organization here in Atlanta, um, which you'll get to hear. They they reach people through uh, service and hip-hop and love, and he said it obviously in a much better way. But then uh, they planted, which uh, City Takers, along with all churches like us, planted a church called Crossover Church ATL, uh, which is doing some amazing things. And uh, Scott uh, and I really hit it off, which is why we talked for uh, almost an hour uh, mm. in this interview. You're going to hear a lot of cool stuff in it about their church, the organization, the stuff they're doing. Uh, Scott himself has a great story, and uh, we even get to have some talk. Uh, they run a Christian hip-hop radio show, and uh, I, I, I had to ask him for some Christian hip-hop uh, recommendations because I'm a hip-hop guy, but it all's pretty corny to me, and he actually gave me some good ones. So you ah. guys will enjoy getting that if you're if you're a hip hop person, or if you're not, you'll still like Scott. So yeah, you're gonna like Scott. I yes. just it, Scott is an awesome human. Yeah. Cool. All right, so let's get to it. Let's hear from that interview, and then we'll see you guys back right here next. week. All right. Well, I'm here right now uh, in a uh, Google Meet uh, with a uh, friend of mine. Uh, we met uh, actually in person recently, yeah. and uh, uh, he is uh, the founder of an organization here in Atlanta, uh, City Takers, but also the pastor of a church in Atlanta as well, uh, Crossover Church uh, ATL. So, uh, so I want to introduce you to my friend, Scott Free. Scott, say hello to everybody. What's happening, everybody? It's an honor to be with you today, and I'm just excited about this conversation. So thanks for thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, uh, Scott, tell us a little bit about uh, before we even well, first, just start me off with um, who is City Takers? Who is Crossover yeah. Church? Uh, what's the story of you guys? And then I want to hear a little bit about your story. But let's start kind of yeah. with, with City Takers yeah, Crossover. So City Takers exists to raise up urban missionaries that transform cities through hip hop, love and Jesus. And we do that in three different ways. We do it by loving a city, drawing a city and building a city. So our love a city aspect of the mission that we do is where we 
go to where the people are. So we have a heart for the poor, the marginalized, the broken people, um, people who feel like they don't fit into the, to the traditional church. And so we go and love them wherever they're at. So in the community, you know, in the jails, in the homeless shelters, in the drug rehab centers, going to them, meeting tangible needs, literally just loving our neighbors and being the hands and feet of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's love. Draw City is anytime we do an event that we're drawing people to us. We do a lot of block parties. We do. Uh, we started an outreach church service over 10 years ago that we do every last Friday of the month, and we're asking people to come to us. We also have a FM Christian hip-hop radio show on Victory 91.5. Most people don't even reckon, realize that. And we play in Christian hip-hop music where people are tuning in. And everything we're, we do, we're sharing the gospel. And we're, we believe that the power is in the word and transformation comes from Jesus and him alone. And so that's love, draw. And then we have build a city, which is our mentorship, discipleship arm of the mission. And that's where crossover church ATL comes into play. Cause after 10 years of doing urban ministry in the city, you know, people were experiencing Jesus. People are like, man, where's your church? We want to go to your church. And all of us had different home churches at the time. And we would tell people to just, you know, pray about where God wants you, which is the right answer. Visit different places and God will tell you where you need to be. But just being honest, after 10 years of sending people just away at telling them to pray about where God wanted them, very, very, very few people got plugged into a local church. And so we realized that, you know, we had to become the answer to, you know, a bigger problem was people weren't transitioning into a traditional model church. So we, that's where we planted. So city takers planted crossover church ATL in 2019 um, as an aspect of the love draw and build methods uh, of reaching people with the gospel. So that's kind of like the, the 30,000 foot view of what we got going on. It's been, it's been an amazing journey. We've been, we've been doing it a little, almost 15 years in the city of Atlanta as an urban outreach. And I really feel like we're just getting started. That's amazing. And uh, I actually got to go up and to 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 see uh, yeah. where you guys are at. And you guys are for some people who don't know, you're you're with another uh, organization that's up there. Your 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 church's location, your offices where yeah. you guys meet for church. You guys are actually in uh, City of Refuge. It's the name yeah. of the uh, organization. Why well, want just briefly kind of give people an idea. Of what does City of yeah. Refuge do? Why did it make sense for you guys to kind of partner with them? Yeah, so they are an organization on the west side of Atlanta, again, focused on the hurting and the poor and the inner city neighborhood here on the west side of Atlanta. One beautiful thing, an amazing thing, um, that city of refuge out of many that they do, but they're very um, about collaboration. So they're about, they have a 200,000 square foot warehouse space here on the west side of Atlanta um, that they offer to their partners, different space, uh, you know, that you can come in and, and, and house different organizations. So there's a medical behavioral and dental uh, medical facility. There is a middle school and high school Christian education. There is a daycare. There is a sex trafficking organization. There's a women and children's homeless shelter here. And again, a lot of those are different organizations and some are run, run by city of refuge. Some are run by different nonprofits. But the beautiful thing about what we were doing is we really had to 
had a heart to go outward into the community, but we never really had a home base. We never had a place to send people to because we were kind of all over the place in a good way. But, you know, when God started to, to really just break our heart for discipleship and church planning and, you know, that's like 2017, 2018, we were starting to look for locations. Long story short, God opened the door for us to meet here on the city refuge campus. And they gave us about 6,000 square feet of the facility to house the city takers headquarters, as well as a venue to plant the church. And, you know, they, they, they were like, you know, the, what you guys do speak to the people more so than a lot of things that, you know, that have happened here in the past. So they literally rolled out the red carpet for us. And it's just been an amazing, amazing partnership, amazing family, because it's just very kingdom here. You know, like there's a lot of collaboration, a lot of people working together for the purpose of advancing the kingdom ultimately and be in the church. Absolutely. How wonderful is that? And, uh, you know, for really? people who are who are long term community Christian people, all of that should sound just so familiar uh, to 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 the heart of our church. You know, I mean, it was probably 15 or maybe more years ago when when we really kind of started what we call around here our do something campaigns, which were really focused on uh, people suffering from poverty and, and hunger and marginalized groups of people and, and saying, I can't do everything, but I can do something. I can get yeah. it out there. I can do something to bring the kingdom of God uh, to bear in someone's life and, and to bring some of the good news of Jesus. And then over the past, you know, year or two here, we've really been focusing on in terms of marginalization, uh, racial reconciliation and working towards yeah. racial justice. And, and so much of that is, is key to, uh, the kingdom and the gospel and bringing together just diverse groups of people uh, yeah. who otherwise would have nothing in common other than their love for Jesus. And so I know there, I crossover uh, and, and city takers. I know that's that uh, I remember us having a conversation, how central that is for you guys as well. Yeah. I mean, I have a huge heart for racial reconciliation and I've been in that conversation since I've been in ministry and God has used us as a not only an advocate, but as a example to the church as a whole. Um, you know, when we gather on Sundays, I mean, our church is so diverse. We have people walking from the neighborhood. We have women and children that live in a homeless shelter. We have women rescued out of sex trafficking. We have doctors driving in, lawyers driving in. You know what I mean? Because I think people just want something real, you know, and, and, and they want church to reflect heaven. And I think you know, what God is doing in the inner city right now is, is that, especially like here with what we're doing. And I want to say that your church community Christian helped us launch what, you know what I mean? The, the church and just in that season um, when we were just really just praying through that and, and, and seeking God, like, you guys stepped up, you know, and so I just want to say thank you to everybody who's watching this, who's part of Community Christian, because you are a part of City Techers in the inner city. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that that's that's incredible. Um, so, Scott, why don't you tell me a little bit uh, for people who don't know what's what, what's your story? How'd you get it? How'd you get involved in ministry? How'd you get involved in City Takers? Uh, yeah. All I love to. So I was based, I, I was born and raised in, in a city called Miami, Florida. Um, and I grew up in what many would call the hip hop culture. 
Mm. And so I was letting these famous rappers of the early 90s disciple me and pour into my life. And so when I wanted to, when I, I was trying to be like them, in other words, and they were discipling me into death and destruction mm. and really an empty life, even though I thought I was doing well for myself. So I started DJing when I was in high school, you know, in the 90s, early 90s. And man, I mean, I was I was involved in all kinds of stuff from drugs to alcohol to premarital sex, to, you know, it, because all of this was part of the culture. So to me, the mu- it wasn't just about music. It was really about lifestyle and culture and culture. You know, it speaks its own language. Mm-hmm. It, you know, every culture has their own language, has their own dress code, has their own food, you know, that they like. And there's just a lifestyle that comes along with culture. So I was following this hip hop lifestyle as a young man in Miami, Florida. Now, one thing I will say, the benefit about growing up in Miami, Florida, I was in a high school filled with all types of people groups. And I thought that was, you know, that was the normal for, for a young kid in Miami, Florida. Like, you know, my high school was full of Haitians, Jamaicans, people from South America, people from Europe, people from all over the place. So I grew up in a melting pot of people in a city called Miami, Florida. So fast forward, you know, I got involved in just things that a lot of, a young person shouldn't get involved in. And I was kind of in, in and out of jail at 17 and 18 years old. Um, when I, when I was 19, I had got a girl pregnant and when I was 20, I had a son. And when my son was born, when I was 20 years old, I looked at him literally the day in the hospital, I looked at him and I said, I got to do something different with my life because I'm either going to be dead or in prison. And so fast forward, I ended up picking everybody up and moving from Miami, Florida to Atlanta because I had a friend that moved to Atlanta I get to Atlanta thinking everything was going to be great. Six months in, I found myself looking for the same things that I was running from. Mm. And I realized the problem wasn't necessarily around me. The problem was in me. <laughs> I was the mm. problem. The way I was thinking was the problem. In that same season, I, 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 I found a friend or friend, you know, I was friends with this guy named Christian Dominguez and he was helping me move from an apartment to a rental house in Atlanta. And this guy started to share his story with me. I was in a U-Haul truck moving from one house to another. He was the only one who would help me move. He was a believer. He was a disciple of Jesus. And he started sharing his story with me in a U-Haul truck. I'm driving. He's sharing a story. Long story short, man, I just had this crazy encounter with Jesus while I was driving this U-Haul truck with this guy who I thought was crazy at the time sharing his story. And he was really sharing the gospel with me. And after that, man, I, I knew that this Jesus that he was following, that I wanted him. Because I was wondering if that Jesus could do the same thing for me that he was telling me that he did for him. And so after that, I started attending the church that he was attending to. And I remember the pastor would do these altar calls. If you want to meet Jesus, come down to the altar. And I went down every Sunday. I was at the altar every Sunday. I'm like, I need to meet him. I didn't realize I was so naive. I didn't realize that the first time like in that U-Haul truck, like the Lord, you know, forgave me of my sins. Hmm. And um, kind of a, a little more detail to the to the U-Haul truck experience. Like I was in this truck and I was stopped at a red light and is the best way for me to describe what had happened. It's almost like I had this vision and I seen 
every time that God the Father saved my life, even when I was in the world physically, mm. I saw myself like almost losing my life. And I, I just knew in my in my heart, in my mind that God had saved my life in that moment. Boom, boom, boom. Almost like a movie reel. And then the end of the movie reel was me as a 12 year old boy with a skateboard in my hand, getting on this bus on a Friday night because this outreach ministry used to pick a bunch of kids up in the neighborhood and take them to this church so they could skate skateboard and play basketball and do all this stuff. So I seen myself as this 12 year old boy with a skateboard in my hand going to this church that I never met Jesus at, you know what I mean? That I remember praying. I remember hearing the gospel, but, but, but I woke up to a car honking the horn and I kind of got scared because I realized I'd been weeping in the, in the U-Haul truck. And for the first time I just, I, I, I knew God was calling me because I had realized that God had been chasing me since I was 12 years old. He had been pursuing me. Mm. And so my life was never the same after that. Honestly, like I hated who I used to be. I, I knew I was a new man. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go hard after Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do whatever he's called me to do. So I just started serving, started getting involved in ministry, started just going out, you know, loving on people. But I felt if I could just be transparent and honest, I felt more comfortable outside of the church than I did inside the church. And again, I know, I know, you know, biblically, there's no difference. The church is the people, but I just felt like I could be more myself around people on the streets, around the broken, not, you know, the people who had it all together. And so I found myself, you know, going to do more things outside of the walls of the church. And it just grew on me, man. It just, it just, God started to shape me. God started to change this thing between my ears, you know, change the way I was thinking. And he just called, you know, he called me. And in 2004, I just, I just knew I was called to be a missionary. And I, I said, yes, I thought I was going to go overseas somewhere. Honestly, man, I was like, man, I'm in set wherever you want me to go. God send me. Well, God sent me to the unreached people of the inner city of Atlanta, of the hip hop culture, because nobody was speaking their language. Nobody was, you know what I mean? Like had the music that they like, nobody had, the DNA. And so I, that, that's when the vision of City Taker started to come around, you know, to use some hip hop music, to use the culture, to reach the culture. But people who are unashamed of the gospel, people are sold out to Jesus, people who are willing to preach the word. And so 2008, 2009, God gave me this vision for City Takers. And we've been walking this thing out in jails, in high, public high schools, college campuses, uh, drug rehab centers, urban communities where we'll go in and, you know, use music as, and we don't do music every time, but typically we'll use music as a tool, share the gospel. And we've just seen so many stories, so many lives transformed. But the most beautiful thing now is we actually have a church that looks like them, sounds like them, feels like them that we can invite them to. And the church has been an amazing, amazing resource, amazing family that we could take people deep in. We launched a church in September 2009 and then March 2020, five months later, COVID hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had, we had to shift some things. And the crazy thing about COVID was, you know, we had to rethink a lot of things, but a lot of the outreach stuff continued. Because, you know, there's still people on the streets, there's still people in the prisons, there's still people, you know, 
in these communities and the needs went through the roof. And the beautiful thing about 2020, and I'm, I'm here, I'm going to testify for a moment, <laughs> is God met every single one of those needs. Amen. God showed up big. People showed up big. And we launched a ministry called Fresh Food Fridays, where literally we were getting tractor trailer loads of food to distribute in the communities because people were, you know, couldn't afford food. People, you know, kids couldn't go to school and still in the city of Atlanta, the, the school still ain't open. So we were able to get laptops for some kids. We're able to tutor some kids. I mean, like literally, if I could sit here and I, I'll talk for the rest of the rest of the time, just about what God did in 2020 that really had set us up to where we're at now. And so, you know, we moved in this complex in 2019 and God knew that, you know, what was going to happen in 2020. And he just set us up for fruitful, effective ministry. And so, yeah, I've been doing that ever since, man. You know, like it's just been an amazing journey. Uh, we, we work with a lot of different churches. Um, churches send volunteers down here. Churches, we, we host inner city mission trips. So, you know, if your church ever wanted to send a youth, young adult group, men's group down here for a weekend or a week, we host them. They can sleep literally behind here is rooms with bunk beds. We, we have 40 beds that we host inner city mission trips. We do three meals a day and ministry all day, every day. You'll leave totally exhausted, but you'll leave totally renewed and revived and refreshed about what God is doing in your life. And we have a heart to teach the church how to be the church, because we believe that, you know, church has to go beyond Sundays, especially, you know, with what God is doing. He's doing a new thing. And so we feel like the new wineskin church is a missional church, is a church that we're training and equipping the saints for the work of ministry so that the saints could go out, the disciples could go out and make more disciples. So it's a ministry of multiplication instead of uh, event driven. That's I'm sorry. I talked a lot. That's just my heart. That's who I am. Yeah. And a, and a minister of the gospel. I, I'm, I'm a pastor too, man. You wind us up. We just go. I like it, but that's good. Yeah. I, you know, I think uh, what you're talking about there too, once again, for um, community Christian people, we've been turning this same corner uh, recently. And I think this is kind of just, you know, got, got at work even in this conversation for people who are listening in of this idea of not being event driven, that Sunday morning is not the only deal, that it's so easy in church for the Sunday morning service to be the deal. But this thing you're talking about of discipling people, that disciples, discipling people, that's the whole goal. And, and that's the key. Goal, and, uh, and that's you know, the call. That's the call. We're called to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And I always tell our people that, you know, they're going to reach more people than I can. You know, it's my yeah. my job, right, and my call to shepherd, to, to prepare you, to, to equip you to go out and make disciples. And so I look at Sunday as a gas station, a refueling mm -hmm. station. You come here, get, you know, get taught, get, get, get uh, equipped, get filled up in order to take what you have out there into the world. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the model that Jesus established. And I believe that this is where he's taking the church back to is, you know what I mean? Like the church is the answer to a broken and dying world. That's what Jesus established as the answer. And we are part of that. And it's not past pastoral driven. It's all of us working as ministers of the gospel together for the advancement of the kingdom on this earth. Amen. And amen. That's what it's like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 
whether it's community Christian, you know, city, whoever, like we're all part of one church. Yes. And when we really understand that and get that down into our heart, like we're unstoppable. Yes. And, and that hell will not prevail against his church. Mm hmm. And that's the beauty of partnerships like this, of our yes. church and, and your church is every victory is a victory for us both. And, and there are things we can share. There are things we can work together on and work in that direction. And so, uh, you know, I, just because this will probably all end up on our, our longer uh, e- uh, unedited version for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, why don't you, why don't you, uh, Scott, why don't you tell us a couple things that uh, city takers or crossover is, is doing in the community? Just, you know, two or three little things that yeah. you think are, are really making a difference right there. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you know, when COVID hit in March and I realized that people were literally going hungry, you know, we launched this ministry called Fresh Food Fridays. And the reason why it's called Fresh Food Fridays is the community that we live in, in the inner city of Atlanta, is a federally designated food desert. And what that means is nobody has access to fresh foods within walking distance, meaning they can't go get, um, you know, salad. They can't go get anything that me and you have access to at Kroger or Publix. There ain't one down here. The, the nearest Walmart, I think it's about seven miles away. So you either need a car or you're going to take public transportation, which is going to take you probably an hour each way, at least an hour. Long story short, they only have fast food. They have gas station food. That's all they have access to or corner store food. And so we launched a ministry called Fresh Food Fridays, where we are giving a 40 pound box of food that has veggies, fruits, um, milks, cheeses, eggs, and some type of meat, whether it's poultry or, or meat itself. And we're handing that out every Friday. Now, the beautiful thing about that is it does meet a tangible need. It definitely meets a tangible need. We can very easily open these doors up and have lines of cars lining up and putting boxes in people's trunks. God bless churches that do that. I think that's amazing. And I think that fulfills, you know, part of, of, of Jesus saying, take care of the poor, feed the hungry. But what we do is we take the food to the people. We go into the communities. We're literally knocking on doors, building relationships with people as well as meeting needs. And and the beautiful thing about it is I'll give you a quick story about I was in the community. This was probably this summer. And, you know, there was a lady frying chicken and she had her door cracked open. Her name is Cassandra. And I was like, who's that cooking that chicken? You know, just kind of having fun. And she's like, it's me, sweetie. Come on. Oh, you know, come on over here. So I walk over there and she's sitting down on a bucket in front of the stove and she's frying chicken, kind of reaching up on the stove. And man, I mean, this chicken, she, she actually let me try the chicken. It was it was amazing. It was A1 chicken. <laughs> and long story short, me and her built a really cool friendship. And I would go visit her every Friday. I would make it a point to go visit Cassandra. I knock on her door. She had two kids, one 10-year-old, one six-year-old. And she would just invite me in the house. And she was struggling with fear and anxiety. She would say that she'd have anxiety, multiple anxiety attacks every day. So I said, listen, I would just love to pray for you, you know, because I, you, back in the day, I used to suffer with anxiety. So I knew how it felt and I knew what, how I had to change my thinking and I had to 
know the word because the word I was telling her this. I said, the word dispels lies. The truth dispels lies. The truth is the word. The truth is Jesus. And so I say, you got to understand the word, number one, but you also got to know the word because it's the word that's going to, you know, dispel the, the anxiety and the fear that you're dealing with. So long story short, every Friday I'd go, I teach her a Bible verse. I pray for her. And over time, she would be like, she would get so happy. She's like, I only had one panic attack this week. Now, remember, I'm bringing food to her. But it wasn't just about the food. It was about really having church in this woman's house. And so the next day, she, she next week, she'd be like, yeah, I didn't have any panic attacks. I really want to get off my medication because my medication makes me feel this way and that way. And so every Friday we were going back to her house. Well, she heard about this big Christmas outreach that we did the week before Christmas. We set up a huge toy store at the City Takers headquarters that we wanted parents to come shop for their children and for parents to give the toys to the children on Christmas and the parents to be the heroes, not us. We didn't want to just give the kids the toys. We were trying to, we're trying to you know, bring dignity back into the community. And as parents, we wanted them to be the ones providing for the children. So we set up this toy store where parents could shop for the kids absolutely free. She heard about that and she was so distraught that she couldn't make it. And so I was like, don't worry about it. I'll bring, I'll come back, you know, a couple days before Christmas and I'll bring toys for your kids and I'll give them to you and you give them to your kids. She started to tear up saying that, would we really do that for her children? And I'm like, of course, like, yes, no problem. So we show up Wednesday before Christmas. I think Christmas fell on a Friday this year, gave her this whole garbage bag full of toys for her kids. And she's weeping in, in her house. And I, she's like, I, can't, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, you don't got to you don't got to say nothing. And I remembered that we had these two bikes that were just donated that day. And I sent one of my guys to I was like, hey, let's give these kids these bikes. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is my friend. I want to bless her children. And so we went and got the bikes. And I, I, have, I have this video that I would love to show you guys at another time. And maybe I'll send it to you. You could put it on this on the on the video. This kid, it was hard to hide the bikes from the kids, first of all, because we took the bikes out of the truck and this kid's face just lit up. The six-year-old jumped on the bike so fast. Well, it was his first time ever on a bike. So I'm pushing him around the parking lot a little bit. And um, the other kid couldn't fit on the other bike. He was too big. So one of my other guys was like, you know what? I feel late. I'm going to go buy him something from Walmart. I'm like, well, you don't got to do that. He's like, no, I want to. He bought him this because they didn't even have a TV in the house. So he bought him a TV and a DVD player and just blessed them. And I'm like, you know, this seems like we're going above and beyond. But I was like, just letting God just do what God could do. And so God, we were able to bless this family. The next day or Friday was Christmas me and my wife went out of town the next day, which was a Saturday. And we were down in Florida with, our, with, with some family that we have down there. I got a call the next Friday during the next Fresh Food Friday outreach from a guy named Ruben who, who helps us run that, that outreach. And he was like, hey, Scott, are, are, can you talk? And I was like, yeah, yeah I could talk. He's like, you're not going to believe this. Miss Cassandra passed away the Sunday after Christmas. And I was like, hold on, what? Yeah, Cassandra passed away the Sunday after Christmas. And I was like, like, I, it, it just hit me really hard. I'm like, because this is my friend. This is somebody I, I hang out with every Friday and I go visit her every Friday. She invites me in her home. She cooks for me. I mean, this is like someone 
who I've, I've grown to love over the last seven, eight months of my life. And I had realized, man, in that moment, I'm like, oh, my God. And the Holy Spirit just quickened in my spirit. And he was like, she's with me. Mm. She's with me. And I had realized that there was a like God knew those boys were going to lose their mother in a few days. And God sent us, you know what I mean, to bless them. And God sent us there for months bringing the gospel to her through this food ministry that's called Fresh Food Fridays. And so we do want to meet tangible needs and we do that. But our heart is about eternity. Our heart is about, you know, preaching the gospel so that people could know him and live with him eternally. So that's just one small glimpse of many stories from this one simple ministry called Fresh Food Fridays that happens every Friday at five o'clock based out of the city takers headquarters. We take multiple cars and vans and we go into the community and people, when they see us roll up, people are just super excited. They come out their house, you know, some of them are inviting us in their house. And it's just a beautiful thing about like just being the church. Um, that's one, one simple thing we do. Another thing we do is every fourth and fifth Monday, we go downtown right off Petrie Street and Ellis Street, and we set up an outdoor church service where men, women, and children living on the streets come and hear the gospel. And not only do they hear the gospel, we feed up to 300 people a hot meal, something like worth value, something that I would want to eat and you would want to eat. We, 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 we give them a hot meal. And we've been doing that, man. That was actually the first time I preached the gospel uh, probably almost 20 years ago. And we've been doing that really ever since. Or I've been doing it. We've been doing it as city takers for 10 plus years. Um, that's just some of the some of the a few of many things that we do. Uh, again, we just we just have a heart to love the marginalized, love the poor. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 25, um, when you did it unto the least of these, it's like you did it unto me. And so it's a it's ministering to Jesus just as much as it's ministering to the people. And we're just, we're just honored to be able to serve God that way. We're honored to be able to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind and love our neighbors as ourselves. And so that's our heart. That's what we do. Um, Citytakers.com has all the different things and details. So if somebody wanted to get on there and find out exactly more, all the programs and outreaches we do. Um, One of the things that we're asking for prayer for is, we want to really start a youth development program because right now, especially right now, there's no school. And so they say like over half the kids in this neighborhood aren't even logging on to online school. So they're just out running the streets 24 hours a day. And so they're, they're, they're getting into things that they probably shouldn't be getting into because the neighborhood is discipling them. And so we want to be able to draw them into city takers. So we're building out a music studio because all these kids want to rap. All these kids want to make music. And so we want to use rap music as a way to draw them in. But when they're in, really pour into their life, really give them the gospel, really love them, really show them, you know what I mean? Like love that they don't really even experience in their own households, some of them. And so we're, we're trying to, you know, raise some capital right now to, to launch that program. We're also doing a t-shirt production studio where, where kids can use art 
um, graphic design and literally print them. I got a blank one on right now, but this is one of our shirts. But we can design different things on the shirts. And again, a kid can have it. go from having an idea to having a full blown T-shirt line that now we can direct them on how to make money legally. You know, teach them about finances, teach them on um, how to actually run something like that and literally take take their smarts, take their hustle and 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 point it in a positive direction as well as discipleship, mentorship and all of that. So that's just something new. We're kind of we, we, we're starting to build out right now. Um, and that's something new that COVID had turned up because, you know, the kids are just out here 24 seven instead of going to school. Yeah, that that is awesome stuff. And uh, like you said, uh, it'll it'll all be up on uh, the website citytakers.com. You'll see that on the screen uh, while we've been talking here. And uh, uh, for for those who are watching this right now in our uh, virtual lobby, uh, you should know that uh, this interview has been edited down. You'll get to see the full length version of the interview on uh, our weekly podcast, either this Wednesday or next Wednesday. So make sure you're tuning in to see when that uh, will come up. You can see the whole thing. A lot of great conversation here between me and Scott. But now's the time uh, for our uh, online virtual lobby that we like to kind of uh, shift a little bit, give you guys the chance to join in the conversation uh, as as we've been asking you to do. And hopefully you've been doing that the whole time we've been talking. Uh, but uh, we're going to have some discussion questions that come up. Scott and I are going to answer those questions and uh, give you guys some time to uh, talk to one another. So don't just be listening to us. We want you guys engaging as well. So here's uh, here's kind of the first question uh, Scott, what do you think on this? What's your go-to movie theater snack? Now, ain't, ain't almost no one going to the movie theater anymore, but what, what's your it. go-to? I got it. Raisinets. Got to have those Raisinets, man. If yeah. I'm at the movies, it's Raisinets. My second choice, or you didn't ask me for my second choice. I'll uh, go it. ahead. Give me what's second choice. Second choice, snow caps. Oh, I'm man. Old, I'm old school, bro. Yeah, no, that's that's my wife right there, man. The uh, the the raisinets, man, she's crazy Ooh. about raisinets. And don't it, give me the dark chocolate raisinets. Ooh, that's a little bit of out. They have them in heaven. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you this, man. But you gotta go to the movie theater to get raisinets because they're like double the price of other candy anywhere else. Yes, you do. They're they're crazy expensive. Uh, yeah, I, you know, besides probably popcorn as being my thing, I'm a milk duds guy. Ooh. I like. Uh, Chocolate and caramel, whole thing, absolutely d- delicious. One of one of my daughters, uh, I have four daughters, and so one of one of my daughters, my youngest daughter, is really into Twizzlers, um, and uh, so so that's what I eat most of the time now when <laughs> when we're watching something because I don't dad doesn't get to really pick anymore, but yeah, just the way you. that goes. So hopefully yeah. you guys are. Answering that, a favorite go-to movie theater snack. All right, now uh, I, I'll be interested here because you know, uh, for for you on this next question here, Scott, because I know you got multiple cities you got to rep here. But what's your yeah. favorite sports team? If you can, all, and I know you may, have, are you a multiple sports guy? Or are you like a what one? Well, uh, football would be my number one sport. I, yeah. I grew up playing football, but um. So which what do I represent? Is that what the question is? Yeah, what, what, I mean, what's if so you, you can first only of all, let me preface it with this: my teams always disappoint me. Ah. So, but I'm a fan. 
So I'm a Dolphins fan, first and foremost. Okay. And again, the, the only statistic that I could stand on is the 19, before my time, 1972, the only undefeated team in the NFL. There you go. My Dolphins, 72 Dolphins. So I'm a Dolphins fan, but I'm also a Falcons fan. And, you know, I'm still hurt by the Super Bowl. We don't, we don't talk about that. Ah. Um, yeah, we don't talk about that. But, uh, yeah, so I'm a Dolphins and a Falcons fan. Were were you happy as a as, as an NFL fan with uh, with Super Bowl this year? Are you a you a Bucks guy? Yeah. You a Brady guy? How's that go well, for you? My wife is from Tampa, so yes, I'm kind of like you know married into a Buccaneers fan. Um, so yeah, I, you know what? Like Brady has made me respect him because being a Dolphins fan, New England has always been like our you know our rival. Right. And never really. I've always been like, man, I hope New England loses. I hope New England loses every year, especially after they did what they did to, to the Falcons. Right. But when Brady left New England and went to Tampa and, you know, they lost, they lost, I don't know, two or three games in the beginning. I'm like, oh, you know, praise God. They're going to, you know, <laughs> they're going to lose. <laughs> and what he did, he took them all the way. I said, listen, if, if Brady wins the Super Bowl with Tampa, I'm not a Brady fan. I'm not, you know, I will, I will admit that he's the greatest. There you go. He did, it. he did it, man. And I'm like, you know what? The dude is, is amazing. And I think sometimes when you're, it's like me young watching Michael Jordan, I knew he was great, but I didn't realize just how, when you're watching him, just how much of a, you know what I mean? Like an influence yeah. and impact he would have on culture and history. And I think that's what's happening when we're watching Brady right now. Yeah. Well, I am a uh, for, for it's no shock to anybody who watch here. I'm a Hawks fan. I'm an I'm an NBA guy. I grew up in a house of all different sports, uh, primarily baseball, football, uh, but NBA as well. And uh, NBA is the only thing, man. I could I could hold on to. Hawks are Hawks are uh, not breaking my heart this year. Not great, but last year they broke my heart. In the year before that, in the year yeah. before that, and. <laughs> I've been to games. I going to Hawks games. I like basketball. Yeah, yeah. You know, so many games. Sometimes it's just hard to keep up with it. I have a friend who um, my wife and I uh, have been to uh, the MLK game uh, that has been in Atlanta, and um, I have a friend this year who texted me was like. I, I, you know, I'm praying for you today because you couldn't go to the game <laughs> because of uh, because of COVID. So he was he was looking out for me because I wasn't able to go on MLK Day. But uh, regardless, I know there were some people there. I know they're letting some people into the stadium, but yeah. not me, not me. So, all right. Here's another question here. Hopefully, you guys answer this one. All right, if you had to be on a reality TV show, what would it be? What would be your go yeah. to if you know could be a game show could just be a i don't know kardashians I, it don't matter what me it would be um mm, probably be a survivor show yeah you know what i mean like i don't know what it is i'm a city guy I'm not really an outdoors guy but i think it's the challenge for me you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and i like go somewhere it's one of those extreme ones where it's like you got nothing except for a knife and a you know, fishing line or something like that. Like, I, I just want to know if I could survive for, I don't know, 20 days or 21 days, whatever those are, those shows are. So I think it would be some type of survivor show. 
Yeah. Just to see if I can survive off the land. And you know what I mean? Like that is meals. And, you know, I probably, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I would do. I would hope I'd do good, but. That is 100% my answer as well. And I just realized, I don't think I've ever shared this before. And Scott, you wouldn't know this about me, but uh, about three or four years ago, I was about most of my life, I've been about 80 to 100 pounds heavier than I am now. And I uh, I made the decision, I'm going to start going to the gym. I'm going I'm to start. Yeah. So I lost a whole bunch of weight and started getting in shape. And th- this is no one at the church knows he's about 60% of the reason why was because my wife wanted me to go on the TV show survivor. She Ooh. really, she wanted me to go on the CBS survivor show. We're huge survivor fans. We're huge, like big brother fans, yeah. all those kind of, you know, living, living right. with other people having to make it. And, uh, I said, well, I can't go on survivor if I'm, if I'm 300 pounds. So I yeah. gotta, I gotta lose some weight. I gotta get in shape. And then I got in shape. And then, and then now we have four kids and my wife's like, you ain't going anywhere for a month at a time and leaving me with all these kids. So that's, uh, that's, that's my life now. But yeah, survivor would a hundred percent be my answer. I'd be all that's about that. Do, man. I just want to, you know, think, can I finish it? Can I do it? Yes. Yeah. I'm very competitive. So I think, yeah, I think all that would be. Man. And you know, if you win a million dollars a day, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll take that too. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I ain't going to complain. I ain't going to complain. All right. Final question here. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the best concert you've ever been to? Ooh, best concert. That's a good question, man. I've been to a lot of them when I was young, you know what? This is crazy. And this is, you know, you think my answer would be a hip hop guy. But I'm going to say, man, when I was young, I mean, I was probably in high school. So I was probably like 16, 17 years old. They had this big concert on South Beach in Miami. And I'll never forget. This is going to sound. I don't even want to I, I show people this because my answer is <laughs> people are going to clown me for this answer. But here it is. I'm just being honest. Bon Jovi played on the sand in like, I don't know, early 90s in Miami. And I mean, it was crazy. It was must have been like 20,000 people there or something. I mean, it was just crazy. So it was like, I don't know. I just remember that back in the day being like a highlight. Yeah, I can see that. Adobe concert. My- I think, hold on. I just remembered another one, though. There was this other concert called Lollapalooza. Do you remember that? Yes. So Lollapalooza had... Beastie Boys, Tribe Called Quest, and a bunch of other bands. Again, it was like the same season of my life, but that was another really crazy, crazy concert. Yeah, mine is also one that I'll, I'll also people people are always going to make fun of. But uh, mine is uh, mine is I went and saw my wife and I went and saw um, Lincoln Park in like. 2012 or maybe something. I don't remember when it was, but I don't remember what made us just decide to get, we, we loved going to concerts and we just loved yeah. all this kind of stuff. And so we, for some reason we saw they were coming. We said, well, let's go. Cause we listened to Lincoln park and in, in yeah. you know, middle school and all that kind of stuff. We're like, okay, we'll go. It was phenomenal. Like yeah. they were, they blew me away and I'm a big, I'm a big music guy. And uh, most people at the church know me obviously as primarily like a guitarist. And so I was big into rock for a long time, but then all through middle school growing up, hip hop was my thing. And so uh, all of that, like blending together, it was, it was just a really good show. So people always make fun of me because my metalhead friends always get on to me because Lincoln Park's not real metalhead. Yeah, all, my, yeah. 
all my hip hop friends get on to me because they're not really hip hop. And so it's like, I can't win with nobody. uh, I think the crazy thing like about me is I've always respected music and artistry, you know, and so and performance. Like, so sometimes like the rock guys like would outperform the hip hop guys all day long. You know what I mean? The hip hop guys Mm -hmm. are just standing there and which is cool and I enjoy it, but yeah. But yeah, some of some, yeah, some of those concerts were really cool back in the day. All right. So I got one last question here. This isn't, and no one else has to answer. It's probably just end up on the unedited thing. You said you ran a, a Christian hip hop um, radio a show. Yeah. Still uh, do, man. Yeah. Still so, so you got to tell me. So I, I grew up listening to like Christian rock and I grew up listening to like mainstream hip hop. I've never yeah. been able to get into Christian hip hop. You got to tell me who, who am I supposed to be listening to? Who do I need to know? Cause everyone that anyone tells me to is just, I, I hate to say it, they're a little corny. Some, okay. some out there, but I know there's gotta be some guys out there that are just killing friends. Get the notepad out. I'm going to give you probably five to 10 people real quick. Okay. All obviously, right. obviously I, I think everybody knows who Lecrae is, right? So yes, and I do like Lecrae. I enjoy Lecrae. We'll throw Lecrae out there. Okay. I think there's some other guys, like if you liking some more like raw street, kind of like hip hop, um, especially from back in the day style, like this guy named Eshawn Burgundy. I'm going to give you his name, Eshawn Burgundy. Um, there's another guy named Bizzle, B-I-Z-Z-L-E. Super good, super, you know, he's, I think he's from Houston, Texas. Um, there are, man, there's a lot of people. There are a lot of younger dudes out coming out now. Um, one of my good friends actually comes to our church named Holvey. H-U-L-V-E-Y. Kind of got a little more mel- melodic, um, new, newer sound. Super, super anointed, super cool. Um, ladies, there's a girl named Wande, W-A-N-D-E. Wande. She's super, she's super awesome. Um, uh, who else? Who else? Who else? There's another guy named Fizzle, T-H-I-S-L. Not to be mixed up with Bizzle. <laughs> Full <laughs> names, huh? Um, Cannon, C A N N O N, is another guy. Cannon. Um, how many is that? That's a lot, man. That's like seven. I mean, that's a that's that's a lot to get me going. Start, yeah, start with that, and and I'll keep feeding you different ones. Also, City Takers has a playlist. I don't know anybody got Spotify. Yeah, we we update a playlist probably every week or every few weeks, and they have about forty to fifty different songs on it. A lot of people listen to our playlist, so if you're looking for positive, clean Christian hip hop, and you're on Spotify, just look up City Takers, and we have a playlist that we constantly update. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, especially just for uh, I, I know we got some younger people listening who are big into hip hop, yeah. but they they face the same thing I do, man. It's like. It's like, I don't know. I tried to, I got kids now and, and they'll ask me like, daddy, what, what did you used to listen to? And so I'll pull something up and I'll pull up some outcasts or I'll pull up some ludicrous or I'll pull up something like that, man, as an yeah. ATL guy. And then about 30 seconds of the song, I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Hold yeah, up. If they want something that's kind of like real ATL, yeah, like real kind of like trap type, type, type sound, this guy named 1K P-Sun. And this is a guy that I've been walking with for over 10 years, discipling 1K P-S-O-N. 
Um, he actually just dropped the album like last month. He's it's super, super awesome, man. Super, super. But it but it's really ATL, really street. So he's someone that I would like people in the neighborhood, I would push his music to. Yeah. Because it would be like lining up with like a little baby or you know, someone who's pot who's out there right now. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, Scott, thank you. And thank you for everything you and City Takers and Crossover are doing for the kingdom and, and just this partnership. It's awesome. Amen. Well, I love you guys. And, you know, like I said, like you guys are still a huge part of what God is doing in the city. And I'm excited about the future of just our partnership and what God is doing. Absolutely. So, love y'all.